are here this morning on a special occasion. And this is an, an importantly, excuse me, this is an important and a special occasion for those of us who love the church. Sometimes when you are a participant in church, you see some things happening. You might not be entirely sure why they happen, when they happen, and for whom they happen. But when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and as a consequence, an intimate relationship with a local expression of his body, which we call the church, you find that these things mean a lot to you. And for me as a pastor and for me as a Christian, this morning is a special occasion because we are ordaining Jonathan Hamilton and Kenny Pang to the office of deacon to serve us here at our church. So we're excited for that. Amen. Although I want to share with you a number of thoughts from a number of different places today, what I'm going to do is talk to you primarily about three simple points under this heading, gaining a good standing, gaining a good standing. Now, I realize and appreciate that most of you are not being ordained to the office of deacon today. However, I'm hoping that you'll walk away with some nuggets and wisdom and insight this morning. So if you're ready, say amen. Amen. After the Lord left this earth, what we call the ascension, he gave gifts to those men who would inevitably lay the foundation of the church. These these men began the apostolic office. We call them apostles. Later in Ephesians chapter 4, one of these apostles, the apostle Paul, says that Jesus gave gifts And so there were, quote, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ. That's Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. Now, if you gathered nothing more from these two verses, if you remained in the dark about all the theological and ecclesiological implications of this statement that I just read, you could still grasp a couple of things. God wants order in his church. That's one. God wants order in his church. You see, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Evangelists spread the good news of the gospel as they preached about Jesus Christ. And as churches grew, because Christians grew, Pastors were needed to shepherd those flocks. You see in the progression? As pastors shepherded the flocks, another important office is seen to develop within the church to assist the pastors and to assist the church. And that is the office of deacon. You see, as the spiritual leaders oversaw the spiritual responsibilities in the church, practical issues continued to demand attention. And that's where deacons began. You see, being a deacon is a practical job. In fact, that's exactly what the word deacon means. In the original language, the word deacon means servant. What do deacons serve? Or who? Do deacons serve? When we read of deacons in the church, in the New Testament, we read of people who are serving the Lord by serving the pastor and the local congregation. 
Now, while pastors serve with their heads and their hearts, deacons serve with their hands. While pastors serve more with their words, deacons serve with their work. Deacons are servants. Our deacons, our servants of the Lord here at First Baptist Church of Cutler Ridge, this group of Christians with whom I have the pleasure to serve, their office is mentioned in the scriptures numerous times side by side with pastors because these two offices create the organizational leadership that God has designed for the local church. We read about the pastors and the deacons meeting the spiritual and physical needs of the church. Without hesitation and without question, I would place our deacons up against the so-called best that are out there. We are fortunate to have some of the best service that any church could ask the Lord for here in our church. We're grateful for them on a week-to-week basis, and today we have the privilege of ordaining two more to our band of brothers, two more to our number. Before we do, let me talk to you about three things today. Recognition, requirement, and reward. Recognition, requirement, and reward. If you look back at 1 Timothy chapter 3 again with me, reading now out of the ESV. Thank you, Tom. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with what kind of conscience? A clear conscience. And let them also be tested when? First. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Ladies and gentlemen, first and foremost this morning under this topic of a good standing. I want to talk to you about recognition. Church, the position of deacon isn't applied for like a job or a promotion. The position of deacon isn't something that you can campaign for like a politician does, a political office. Instead, it's something that's recognized in someone even before they serve as a deacon. In other words, people aren't made deacons by a church vote. A church's vote recognizes that God has made that person a deacon. Titles don't make someone something. Instead, people by their character and their integrity live up to the title. Amen? So in Acts chapter 6, when we see the election and ordination of the first deacons, we see seven men chosen who could serve alongside the apostles who were, listen, recognized for having the spiritual and practical qualities and characteristics that made them right for the job. It's not enough that you don't rob banks and cheat on your spouse. There are expectations of all Christians, amen? But beyond the normal, there should be a recognition of some qualities that distinguish candidates for the office of deacon from all other Christians. It's a recognition there. Where do we get this idea from? Well, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. Paul says to Timothy, who's pastoring a church, 
and is calling deacons to serve within the church and alongside of him, he's telling Timothy, don't just pick anybody. He says, let them be tested when? First. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. One translation puts that verse in a helpful way. It says it like this, let them serve a period of probation first and only serve as deacons if they prove satisfactory. This is an important note. Being ordained as a deacon doesn't make you a good Christian. Let me say that again. Being ordained as a deacon doesn't make you a good Christian. Church, if we are doing things correctly, if I am doing things correctly as your pastor, then deacons should be recognized among us. We shouldn't have to negotiate with people, beg people, plead with people to serve as deacons. On the contrary, if our church is healthy, we should have all the strength that we require for the office of deacon to fulfill the needs of our church. So what exactly are we recognizing here when we talk about someone having recognizable qualities? Well, that leads us to our second point. When we're recognizing the qualities of a deacon, we're talking about requirements. That's our second point this morning, requirements. So looking again at verse 8, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first and then then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless or if they go through the probationary period in a satisfactory way. None of us is blameless. You understand that, right? Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own household well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. A number of things are mentioned here, and I want to pull them from the text and discuss them shortly with you this morning. What are the requirements of a deacon? After all, is a deacon simply someone who serves in a church, who is relatively liked, who has a good job or career, who is liked in the community, or is there, is there possibly more to it? I'd like to say, point in fact, that there's a lot more to it. There are expectations or requirements of those who would serve in the office of deacon. According to what Paul says to Timothy here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, a text that is often quoted when it comes to the description of the requirements of deacons, we see a number of things. They're going to come up here on the screen for you. Deacons are to be dignified. Deacons are to be dignified. They are to be people of character. They are also to be, it says, not double-tongued or we would say sincere literally talking out of both sides of their mouth. This is incredibly important when it comes to the privacy of our meetings. There are situations that we have to deal with on a regular basis that require sensitivity and confidentiality. I don't expect any man that serves on a board with me to walk outside the office 
that we meet in and discuss the things that we have talked about in private with others in a hallway. It's not acceptable. It must not be drunkards. It says not given to much wine. They must not be money hungry. Our deacons are the counters in our church. This is one of the responsibilities that they are in charge of. I don't know what you give. I don't know how much you give. I don't know how often you give. I don't know any of those things, and any deacon will testify to the fact that I never asked the question. Not my job. The deacons handle that. In order to make sure that they can serve in a responsible manner, they must not be hungry for money. Every time we collect an offering and men come into the church to do the count, there's always two of them so that they aren't putting the checks aside and putting a $50 bill in their pocket. We need men who respect God's church and your offering enough to make sure it goes where it's supposed to go. Dignity. Integrity. Also, he says here, they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. In other words, they must hold to the gospel. Deacons must hold to the gospel. They can't be embarrassed about Jesus Christ and serve in one of the two offices of the church. Our deacons are not ashamed of the gospel. Amen? On the contrary, many of our deacons are very outspoken about the gospel. They take every opportunity they can to pray for someone, serve someone, come alongside someone, and mention to them that they're praying for them or that Jesus is the solution for their problems. Our deacons hold to the gospel, and so it is when Paul says to Timothy, when you're electing new deacons, they can't be ashamed of the gospel because the gospel in the church is the center of all things. He says also, as we've already mentioned, that they must prove themselves beforehand. Our deacons are put through a vetting process. We don't just bring them to you. According to our bylaws, which are a reflection of the scriptures, the deacons who are potential candidates are vetted before they are approved. If there are men that go through a conversation with myself and the deacon board, and for some reason or another, it doesn't make them bad Christians, but they aren't a fit for some reason or another, then they don't come to you for a vote. They must first satisfy those prerequisites, and then they can serve as deacons. They must be dignified, it says, prove themselves blameless. Their wives also must be dignified. Pretty confusing verse there. The word is gune. It's the word we get gynecologists from. It doesn't mean wives. It means women. In chapter 2, Paul says, Likewise, women should adorn themselves in respectful apparel. It's the exact same verse in chapter 2 as it is in chapter 3, but for some reason, translators say, let's put wives there, not women. We'll talk about that more later. Dignified. Not slanderous. Must not be slanderous. A deacon who holds the office of deacon but speaks poorly about it, his city or the congregation or a member of the church or the leadership should not serve as a deacon. We cannot have people that slander each other operating in a position of leadership. 
Amen? When we tolerate and allow behavior such as that, we're portraying something. And we're not portraying something healthy. I'm happy to say that we have a very open and high level of confidence between each other, the deacons and I, and I think the deacons and the congregation as well. We have permission to speak to each other the way that we need to be spoken to. Amen? Sober-minded. Sober-minded. This is not about drunkenness. This is about reading the Word and being sharp in your thinking. Being sober-minded. And then finally it says, faithful. Faithful. Of course, these are requirements that are expected of any Christian. But there's another level of responsibility that comes with those who would serve in an office in the church. Here's the point. Immature Christians who haven't yet developed these kinds of qualities in their spiritual lives are not yet fit to serve in this important office. That's it. Doesn't mean that they won't in the future or can't. It just means that now is not the time. It's important that you understand and appreciate that it wasn't long ago that Jonathan Hamilton and Kenny Pang were not on the radar to serve as deacons. But I'm happy to say that from the point that Jonathan and Kenny decided to take their relationship with God seriously in regards to the context of their church, the trajectory has not changed. Amen? I think a number of us have had conversations with them, both with each other and in private, and we have seen that testimony consistent and true. From the moment that they have decided to serve the Lord in the context of the church, the trajectory has not deviated. They have just become more and more involved and more and more committed. A couple of things that I want to share with you here. First, for one thing, this holds God's church accountable. When we talk about these requirements, the expectation of the attitude of those who would serve as deacons The reason this is important is, first of all, it holds God's church accountable. It's not acceptable to God that we simply place anyone in a position of deacon. You know what I mean? We can make decisions based on sympathies, and we can make decisions based upon nepotism, and we can make decisions based upon convenience. But I'm happy to say those decisions are not the decisions being made here. These decisions are biblically based. Second, these requirements inform us of God's expectations. Beloved, the point isn't to simply have a servant occupy this office, but someone who serves out of a love for Jesus, a servant who has a heart for the gospel and loves the Lord's church. These are people who are good servants who don't, there are, excuse me, there are people who are good servants that don't necessarily fit this profile. And we have to choose carefully. And I believe that's what we've done here. Thirdly, let's talk about the reward. Talked about the recognition and the requirements, but thirdly and finally, let's talk about the reward. I love what Paul says in chapter 3, verse 13. Those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing 
the title of our message this morning. For themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. There is, in a sense, a reward that comes with serving well as a deacon in the local expression of the church of Jesus Christ. And it is simple, it's straightforward. Those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the flesh. Uh, excuse me, in the faith. Two things that I want you to note here. First, they gain a good standing for themselves. There is a reputation, church, bestowed upon people who serve as deacons in their church. Especially, if I may say, a Bible-believing, Christ-honoring church such as ours. And deacons, if you've served for any amount of time with me, you already know this, but Kenny, Jonathan, people are going to look at you and make judgments about our church and about me based upon your behavior and the conversations you have with them. But if you serve well as a deacon, you gain a good standing. But not only do you gain a good standing, we gain a good standing. You know what it's like when people gossip and backbite and complain. It's not attractive, and it's not biblical. Paul says, let there be a stop to complaining and grumbling. Our attitude toward our worship within our church and our church family, as imperfect as we may be, say, I'm imperfect. Some of you are hard to deal with. Our deacons are faithfully endeavoring to do a good job to serve you, which is not always easy, but they can't take their frustration to the hallway or to the street or to the cell phone with text messages and complain. On the contrary, if they do well, if they serve well, they gain a good standing, and they represent our Lord well, and they represent our church well. They gain a good standing for themselves. But secondly, they also gain great confidence in the faith. Henry and I were talking this week uh, just about all the things that we have going on. Uh, for those of you who may not know, Henry serves not only as a deacon in our church, but he is the chairman of the school board. So there are always layers of issues that we deal with Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Do you know that I don't only work on Sunday? Okay, I'm going to clarify that. Okay. So we were talking about a number of things, and in the context of that conversation, Henry said something along the lines of, I've seen growth in my personal life as a result of serving in this capacity. Church, that's what it's about. If you serve in a position and you shrink, I failed. If you serve in a position of a facilitator and your class is going terrible and I'm not supporting you, I'm failing. If you serve on a board or you serve as a deacon or any other way and you feel like you're being beaten down and absorbed and exhausted and you don't feel rewarded in the context of your service, I'm failing you. Serving in the capacities that the church needs people to serve in, as you serve, you should feel a reward. You should feel a growth that had you not served, you would have never experienced. Amen? 
There is a challenge and a reward that comes from serving in these positions. Listen, you might want to write this down. Meaning is located where there is responsibility. Meaning is located where there is responsibility. In other words, if you want to find meaning, look for responsibility. If you want to find purpose, look for responsibility. Without responsibility, there is no meaning. The office of deacon is not about its title. The office of deacon is about its work. Every servant leader, regardless of their position or their title, should be growing and maturing while they serve because meaning is located where there is responsibility. Some of you are looking for meaning in your life, and the reason you can't find it is because you're not exercising responsibility. Find responsibility, and you will find purpose. Find something to do and you will find meaning. You will not find purpose and meaning in nothingness. Doesn't happen. These men here today, they're looking for the opportunity to fulfill a responsibility because within that responsibility, they have found meaning up to this point. That's what servant leaders do. And in doing so, a servant leader is someone who leaves a legacy behind their service. A legacy that demonstrates commitment, selflessness, and love. I'm going to say this candidly. Unfortunately, there are deacons who have ruined church life for some people. There are deacons who have ruined the view of Christianity for some people. There are deacons who have given people outside of the church a very poor impression of what happens inside the church. But on the other hand, there are deacons who have helped people appreciate the value of the local church. There are deacons who have helped people appreciate the value of faith in Christ and the fellowship that comes with Christ's people when you live in accordance with his decree. It was great to see Alex, the Perez clan, and Henry and the Ray clans and the Vassal clans all serving at our event the other day. As they said, just under 2,000 cards given out. We had a number of church family members come and support and be there, and it was great. Everybody was friendly. Everything was, it went very, very well. I think it was a wild success. And there was a church across from us They had their name on their tent and the whole nine yards. And Ruth and I were talking about, why don't we have tent with a name on it? One thing at a time. One thing at a time. Thank you, Kristen. Yeah. And I told Ruth, I said, it doesn't matter what they have. They don't have a Tom. Yeah. Because these kids, they, the line was around the entire park just to play this game with marbles that Tom had everybody, like, the kids, were, they were ecstatic about the marbles. And he had everybody going, these kids were coming, they wanted to, it was great, and it made me proud. It made me proud to see Alex and his clan there, 
and Henry and his clan and Tom and his clan and friends and family coming there. We were loving on our community by representing our Lord and our church well. That's what we need, and that's what we have. It's an incredible thing representing the Lord well. We neglect, I think, to value the importance of our testimony in public church. There are a lot of people who think one way or another about this church because of you. What impression and testimony do you want to make? Three things this morning that come to mind. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 and following, when it talks about gaining a good standing. Recognition. We've recognized some people. Requirements. We have vetted them, and they satisfy the requirements. And reward. That is yet to come. But nevertheless, it's our conviction today and the conviction of our church, which has already voted in the affirmative to bring these two men on as deacons in this church. To lay our hands on them, to single them out for the Lord and his blessing as we ordain them to service in our church. So, without anything further, I'd like to invite Jonathan Hamilton and Liz and Kenny Pang and Ashley And I'm going to ask a couple of our guys here to pray. And I'll close in prayer. But as we pray, I'm just going to invite you to pray with us. Pray that God will bless these families, protect these families. Uh, as we've already talked about at length through the message, these are not strangers. These men and women are very involved in our church and in our school. And we're very fortunate to have both of them, both couples, I mean. But whenever God does something special in the lives of certain people in his church, the enemy is not far away. So pray for their marriages. Pray for their children. Pray for their faithfulness and their steadfastness in the days to come. Will you do that? Say amen. 